Hello, everybody, and welcome to Something to Declare. Beth, hello. How are you doing? Hi, David. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Are you feeling any better? I am feeling much better, thank you. And exceptionally grateful to everybody who's stepped in and, and taken funerals and Sunday services and everything else that I had to rearrange last week. Uh, people really are wonderful. Uh, yeah. So I'm very grateful for that and I feel much better. Thank you for asking. Um, so Beth, this is the end of season two today. This is our last one um, for a little while. Uh, and I just wondered, you know, we haven't chatted for a while about uh, anything that we might be reading. Uh, is there anything particularly on your on your stand at the moment that you're into or? So um, I, one of our um, wonderful uh, team at work who cleans my office asked me um, if I could, uh, could I, could I tidy up the parts of books on my desk? Because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, I'm just coming out at the end of term at the moment. And I think I feel like I read lots of lots of little things as I go in the sense that mm. it's not one big thing because I'm always kind of writing for stuff um I try to think um so at the moment yeah I'm writing I'm writing a chapter on Baptist identity appropriately at the moment so okay so everything I've read recently has been around uh identity and the language of identity and um and and kind of looking at that from a quite a different selection of of places so kind of not, it's not really theological um, yet it will be um, so I've been looking at kind of I've been reading psychology I've been reading some political theory um, and um, you know kind of yes yeah, mostly those things um, some really interesting bits of social science um, an amazing thing about uh, kind of uh, consumer society and a critique of that that I read the other day um, and um, yeah kind of um, like lots of lots of articles and chapters and kind of in the same you know kind of in the sense of like lots of kind of chapters from you know publications rather than kind of necessarily reading one big book altogether in the way that you do when you're researching things and writing things the idea is I'll tell you this because I think it's interesting because we're talking about Baptist identity is um indeed um that we often talk about Baptist identity from the perspective of what do we mean by Baptist and what I'm trying to look at is is there something to be gained in how we talk about Baptist identity if we look at the language of identity first? Okay. Um, and whether or not we are maybe using the word identity from different perspectives and in different ways. So when we're saying, well, what makes us a, have our Baptist identity together? We actually, or you know, even the together is a comment, um, yeah. is actually something about uh, say maybe a little bit more of what 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 model of identity we have as much as what ecclesiology we have um, and I think that also it's illuminating if we look at Baptist life um, that the as these kind of conversations in identity have emerged that we we see different things coming through um, so you know things like you know, call ourselves back together together identity is really emerges in in a piece of in some of our political thinking um, and that um, you know the kind of also that a lot of identity language is developed as conflict, like identity crisis is used by Ericsson, um, and he's the person, the psychologist that really kind of, sort of develops that language. And, and I kind of really interested psychiatrists actually, I think, um, too. Um, anyway, it's um, really interesting that he, um, yeah, the kind of a lot of, a lot of identities is, is seen to be formed as kind of conflict between either an individual 
and the world or but even within one's individuality or um you know within kind of a, a nation state against another or then kind of how and then kind of we see that kind of trying to use be used positively in kind of identity politics but i just think it's really interesting i've gone off on a little lecture now sorry um, <laughs> everybody doesn't need to read the book chapter anymore but that's just a, a little plug <laughs> well i look forward to reading it when it's uh, when it's published it sounds good it sounds good um i I haven't done much reading the last few weeks, I have to say, and I, I'm just life uh, has, has happened and made that more difficult. But I'm looking forward to uh, making a change. And, and my one of my Lenten practices is not to purchase any books during Lent. So it usually means on Shrove Tuesday, um, I make a significant purchase. Uh, but I didn't so much this year. But then yesterday I received a book in the post which I don't remember ordering. I do need to go back through whatever I mean, it's, it's um, or and if someone sent it to me, they haven't told me that they've sent it to me. So I must have pre-ordered it months ago or whenever. Anyway, and by Kelly Capick, or um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, called You're Only Human, How Your Limits Reflect God's Design and Why That's Good News. So um, if one of our listeners sent me that trying to make a point, <laughs> then bless you um and i will <laughs> have a read and and see what i make but um the, the sort of commendations on the back are from lots of people i've heard of and seem to say it's a good thing so i will uh, dig into that at some point uh, and see how how we get on um one person who has a very impressive set of bookshelves uh mm. from which they uh you know zoom and other things uh in front of broadcast is our guest today um i know our, our listeners will just have to trust me that they've got a very impressive set of bookshelves um but our guest today on the podcast is denzel larby and he is part of the team at selsden baptist church in croydon where i used to be many moons ago and uh we didn't work together there was a number of years in between um but it was great to chat with him uh, not long ago about his work there and he's an evangelist and how that work sort of is slightly different from some of the other things we've had on the podcast. Uh, so uh, let's listen in to a chat with Denzel and then we'll have a chat about it after. Well, hello, Denzel, and welcome to the Something to Declare podcast. Great to have you joining us. Thank you, David. Good to be here as well. Fantastic. And uh, one of the things that our listeners might not know um, is that we've got a bit of a connection, even yeah. though we've not had a load of conversations prior to today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, one of the, the you, you're working currently with a church that I have been part of previously. Yeah. In fact, I think you're living in the house that I've lived in previously. Yeah, so. I am. Good to know it's in good hands. Yeah. I'm um, not sure what room this was. When yeah. Was that, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it's superb. So you're at Selsden Baptist Church in Croydon. And you've got a particular brief as part of the team, as I understand it, for evangelism and mission. Tell us a bit about that. So um, what does that involve? How is your role distinct from that of your colleagues? Tell us a bit about what God's called you to there. Yes, it's been a, a road I've been thinking about for a while. So when I left, I left Spurgeon in 2016. Um, and during that time, I'm, I'm more of an, of an evangelist. Um, 
And I think during that time when I was looking for churches to explore after leaving Spurgeon's, there weren't many churches looking for an evangelist. And I think even Spurgeon's trained a lot of pastors and everything was kind of pastoral, which was good. But uh, if you're an evangelist, it can be a bit frustrating. And so I kind of had to go through um, more of the pastoral ministry for the last three years before coming to Selzen. And, and Selzen would actually look, they were looking for someone uh, who would be an associate minister that would have a particular focus as an evangelist. So that looks like equipping the church for evangelism and engaging in evangelistic um, outreaches uh, amongst our community. And so that's was on, uh, something on my heart. Um, and I love Creighton. I was, I was raised in Creighton most of my life in a place called Thornton Heath. Okay. I lived there since, since I was 20. And then I went to Northwest London and then came back to, to the promised land, Creighton. And so, <laughs> but, but obviously, Selzen is very different to where I grew up, in, in, even though Creighton is a huge borough, but it's very different to Fulton East. But it was, um, yeah, a great opportunity to come down and, and serve here as an evangelist. So, yeah. Great. Croydon as the promised land. That's an image <laughs> that will stick with me. Um, so what does that um, then look like on, on the ground with, with the church? What are some of the initiatives that you're involved in or, or how are you trying to help the church engage with, with evangelism? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure when you were here, but I, I think the, there, was, there is an outreach culture here. But, but in some of the activities that the church has been running for a while, there isn't a particular gospel focus. And so, so I've kind of raised the temperature a bit. There's, there's loads that the, the church has been doing in the community and using the, the building to, to bless the community in various different ways. But when it came to a gospel engagement, that was, was kind of lacking. So, so one of the, the main things I've been doing is just I've been teaching um, about evangelism um, on the pulpit, but also having uh, extra training sessions. I think our church is a church, like, like many others, who, um, especially when it comes to evangelism, which can be quite uh, daunting at times, they, they want to feel well-equipped, uh, well-informed, they know exactly what to say to an unbeliever, um, and, and engage, obviously, with apologetics and so on. So, so my main thing has been in teaching, just raising the temperature, hopefully, uh, with the team, encouraging a culture of gospel engagement. Um, in our everyday lives, but also in the life of the church and, and everything that we do. So we're doing a lot of teaching on, uh, through sermons and so on. And then um, I've run a couple training events. Um, I, I'm big on street evangelism. That's one of my strongest areas. Okay. Um, I, I love going out on the streets and just hanging out with people and sharing the gospel with people. It, it, it wasn't something that was in the DNA of, of Selsden. And so um, we had an evangelism day, uh, which we had uh, about 20 to 25 people uh, come along and uh, we had an organization who um, are basically full-time street evangelists who, who did some training for us and it took us out on the streets and that's kind of birthed our street team so we we go out every every uh saturday um and, and share the gospel once a month um, and share the gospel and so i'm hoping to to build the temperature a bit more so we can go out regularly but it's it's been it's been encouraging uh, to see that but yeah and how's that been the the worker says so that in selston high street yeah. Um, so, and two questions. One, um, how have the people who've joined you in that got on? Um, yeah. And what kind of reception have you had from folks on the high street there? Yes, yeah, it's been it's been interesting. I think um, again we've been on a journey, and I've had to. I could I could easily as an evangelist sometimes we're not always pastoral, so we, we just we just go in, say things, and just expect people to follow. Uh, but I've kind of come at a different approach. I've kind of gently, because I know it's, it's not really in the DNA of the church, just been gently teaching. 
um, but also encouraging us to, to be um, evangelistic in our, in our thinking. And so I think this training really helped to put people's uh, anxiety at ease um, in terms of how you engage with people and so on. And we've come together as a team. So I've just had people tag along and sometimes people won't say much, we'll just be observing. And then when they, when they um, realize, oh, hold on, this is just another human being who's just like me. Um, and they begin to engage in conversation. So conversation has, has started in that way. So the first time we ever went out um, after that training, the first person we spoke to, uh, two people uh, were with me. Um, she was very new to Selsden, uh, had a Christian background, um, and was kind of looking for a community of people, not just a church, but a community of people to engage with. She's, she's come from quite far away. Uh, to cut a long story short, she gave her life to, to Christ that day. Uh, she now comes to our church. Um, she's part of our home group, and she's, she's brought her, her family, her nieces, her nephews, um, into the church and it's just through one engagement that we had so and so it's kind of put people at ease actually recognize that these are normal people just like that just like us um, who are going through very different things and can be encouraged uh, through the gospel uh, so that's it, it really encouraged certain people to come along weekly and we've, we've seen the same pattern happening but I must say I think Selsden the area is probably the most difficult place to evangelize in, in my experience I've, I've kind of evangelize the more urban poorer areas but I, I recognize that Selzen isn't totally rich but there are people who are who are comfortable uh, in their lives with uh, finances and family and so on and so they don't see the need of Jesus they don't see how Jesus has any value to their lives I mean they're doing just fine <laughs> so persuading people to actually no uh, there isn't a huge need for Jesus and actually Jesus is um, beneficial for your life um, it's been a hard message. So it's been, it's been quite difficult, but also we, we have seen some, some fruit in that. So we just need to keep pestering. And I think one of the other difficulties is that the Jehovah Witnesses were the ones who kind of took over the high street and, and were the main kind of Christian presence on the high street. And, um, and so we sometimes get mistaken for Jehovah Witnesses. Um, and so we just have to rebrand ourselves <laughs> when we are out on, on ourselves on the high street. But yeah. Okay, and I'm I'm imagining that the church would be really encouraged to sort of the story of the the lady you mentioned. You know, when they can actually sort of see tangible fruit from the work, yeah, that's yeah, the sort of yeah. thing that helps people becoming more enthusiastic about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I am trying to um, make sure we don't have a focus that we just want people to come into our church building, but mm -hmm. rather just the gospel. Um, and again, that's what that's what really brought her to, to Christ. It was the gospel. It wasn't necessarily that we are cells and Baptist church, but it was the gospel being being preached. And and so even if we encounter people and they don't go to our church, but, but give their lives to Jesus, then we, we will equally uh, be happy with that. Mm. But yeah. So was there a time when going out on the street and sharing in that way was daunting for you as well or is this something you've always done fairly naturally and easily uh i would say easy i mean the first there was a church i went to in Croydon that was very evangelistic and i went there because it was evangelistic but uh, to cut a long story short i had a, a interesting upbringing i was kind of involved in in gangs around Fountain heath and i was sent back to uh to ghana where my parents are from uh, and, and that's where I met Jesus. And, and from that point, I just had a passion to communicate him. I didn't really know what, what an evangelist was, but I just knew I wanted to share him. And, and so that kind of passion over, almost overrid my anxiety and fear. Um, so I'll be on, on the Croydon uh, main town center uh, with loads of people, uh, mostly going back and forth. 
and sharing the gospel there. So I don't know, it's my excitement and, and just this burden to communicate the gospel some, somehow just, yeah, over, overrides the, the fear and anxiety. But there are definitely, definitely times where I do feel like, oh, um, a bit nervous. Um, but yeah, I think the excitement just puts that away at times. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Thinking more broadly about uh, evangelism and churches engaging uh, with more direct forms of evangelism, what do you think are some of the things that that stop churches um, doing more of that kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think every church knows that they need an evangelist um, or people who do the work on a, of an evangelist. Um, and I guess there are probably various different reasons. I know with evangelism, I've seen with some churches who are quite comfortable. Uh, so for instance, I think it's a few categories. So, so some of the larger churches I've, I've been involved with, involved with, uh, with evangelism particularly, they don't see the need of evangelism because they really have a good number of, of people. So it doesn't really concern them. And then I think the smaller churches that know that they need an evangelist and, and need to engage the gospel in their community are sometimes afraid because sometimes there is a huge what's the word it's a basically it can get messy i think that's probably the best word to, to use and um, again we can have a really nice small you know click of people that we have in our church and and going out and meeting random various kinds of people who, who are experiencing a very different life to us coming into the church can be very difficult so for instance with one of the churches i won't say the names that i was involved with um, it's quite a quite smallest church um, and wanted to engage with evangelism. And, and as we went out on the streets, we realized that we were attracting gang members, people who were involved in gang activities. And so they were coming into the church. There was a music studio set up in the church. And uh, this caused a lot of problems, not for the, the, the people involved in gangs, but actually for the church, because they'll be shouting or they'll be sm um, smelling of weed. And, and yeah, and so people were a bit uncomfortable with the kind of people that were coming in. So sometimes it's just safe just to keep the, the people that we have who are the nice Christians because sometimes going out you just don't know who you're going to meet um, so so maybe I don't know maybe that's some thoughts that come to the top of my mind yeah 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 I can totally get that um what are some of your what are some of your hopes and plans can you give us a, a sneak preview what are some of the things you'd love to see the church doing in my church Selden, or just the well, I was thinking of Selsden, but I mean, you know, think big as well. Let's, let's do both. <laughs> I think for Selsden, um, one of the things that we're, I think one of the things I would love to see is just a, a culture of evangelism with every single member. Um, so, so, yeah, just being evangelistic in their everyday lives, at work, at school, with their neighbours. I think that's probably the most effective way uh, uh, the church can engage with evangelism, all its members seeing the, the whole vision um, but I think particularly with sales and one of the things that we're seeing is that the, the biggest area we need to engage with are with the houses. I mean, it's just houses everywhere <laughs> and we have no idea what's happening behind those doors. So um, this year, particularly, we are encouraging um, the members and training up so we can go um, door knocking um, and, and finding creative ways. Again, Jehovah Witnesses have kind of have an identity with that so it can be quite daunting for, for Christians but also uh, other people who are who are knocking on doors might, might not be as receptive but we're trying to think of creative ways to, to engage but I think we can't miss that opportunity with just houses all around us um, but but also I think with, with the wider churches I think it, it's just 
every, I, I believe every church knows they need people who are gifted in sharing the gospel. Uh, we don't, you don't necessarily need to appoint a full-time evangelist. I know not every church can afford that, but equipping uh, our members to see the importance of sharing the gospel, it's, it's, it's so important, especially in the time that we live in today. And thinking about creative ways uh, to do this in our time, it's, it's so important. So I think that would be my, my wider vision. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Are you, are you naturally creative in the ways you go about those sorts of things or do you, is coming up with the, the more sort of creative ways of thinking, is that hard work for you? I'm probably creative with a certain type of people. So maybe with younger people, okay. I'm more creative. But I think for me, I'm just kind of uh, bread and butter, street evangelism, door knocking, um, open air preaching. Um, I mean, when I, was, when I was 14, the kind of preaching I was doing was on our school bus. It wasn't, it wasn't the most effective and it's probably not the best way to evangelize. And I have learned that actually there are ways of evangelism that isn't necessarily beneficial. Um, but yeah, open air uh, street evangelism is kind of my, my bread and butter. But I think I'm probably more creative with the younger generation. But yeah. Okay. And have you got um, go-to bits of scripture that you particularly like to focus on? Like if you're doing an open air thing somewhere... Have you got sort of certain bits that you sort of go to as these are these are the passages which I think are the most effective or that I feel sort of called to use more? Um, I think it's, I think it's yeah I think that we have times where there are particular books that we focus on. Um, so so speaking to a, someone who's just given their life to Christ, we encourage them to look at the book of John. Um, just just so we have um, I don't have one with me here, but we have little pocket uh, testimonies of the book of John that we that we give out. Uh, John 3.16 is obviously a, a very uh, clear, beautiful passage for all people. I sometimes even go to, to Genesis as well, just looking at God's original plan uh, for humanity, God's good plan for humanity, so that's Genesis 1. Um, There's <laughs> quite a few passages uh, in Romans that we, we look at, but also it depends on, on how we're engaging with people. So there's some people who will come with maybe some harder questions um, and other people who just want to... Um, maybe critique the Bible or, or taking a particular scripture context. So it, yeah, it depends on who I'm, who I'm speaking to, but I do like to look at um, the life of Jesus, particularly um, and going through the gospels. So, so yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And how is it being an evangelist in the Baptist world? Do you, um, I'm conscious that, I mean, we used to have sort of special accreditation, uh, for evangelists and we don't do that in quite the same way now but no. do, do you find it's something that people are very keen to embrace or that people don't really understand or does it not make a lot of difference to you Where, how does it sit at the moment I think I think when I was I was I think I was quite frustrated going through Spurgeon's um, and then leaving Spurgeon's and everyone and, and I don't know just the fact that there was no opportunities to, to go in and to serve as an evangelist um, in the church. And I think many churches were looking for associates, but just not in the specific another pastor. Um, and I think things have improved because I think churches have seen the need of an evangelist. But I think sometimes an evangelist then in a Baptist church just somehow just gets lumped with pastoral work as, as well, um, which can be a bit frustrating at times. Um, but I think I think the Baptists now are probably more willing to engage with it because of the decline in church membership. 
Um, so again, churches now know they need evangelists. And I know some churches can't afford evangelists. Um, but I think now it's beginning to, I think churches are beginning to embrace more of an evangelist or community worker type roles um, within our denomination. So, which is hopeful. Yeah, great. Yeah. So, Denzel, on the podcast, we ask everybody who comes to have a little chat with us uh, two questions. And I'd love to ask those questions of you as well. Yeah. Um, and so the first of those is if you could declare anything to our Baptist Union in this moment, what would it be? Oh, I think for me, it would. I think I don't know it's something about reminding ourselves of the gospel. And I feel like even as ministers, we we need to remind ourselves of the gospel and the impact the gospel's had on us. Um, I don't know. I think I think COVID has been very difficult, and there's been loads of things that, that ministers and, and other leaders need to focus on, rebuilding the church and so on. And I think in, in the midst of that, somehow the, the gospel's been put at the back burner. Um, not for all churches, but but I think for some. And I just feel just feel just declaring that, just remind yourselves of, of the gospel, of the of the the saving work of Jesus Christ and, and how that transforms us as individuals, but also uh, how that blesses our, our churches and our world. Um, I just feel like, yeah, just the, the gospel is just so vital um, in our time today. So I think that's what I would declare. Okay. Yeah. And if you think um, that Baptists have something to declare to the world in this moment, what would that be? And it will probably be the same. <laughs> the, the, yeah, again, that, that whole sense of declaring the gospel. But I think, um, I think also understanding that that as as Christians, as a, as the Baptists particularly, that we have something important, something precious, something beautiful uh, to share to others, um, especially in this depressing time that we, we find ourselves in, in in the world globally. But actually, we we are still holding on to something so magnificent and something so precious, something so beautiful, something just transforming, uh, which is, of course, Jesus and, and the gospel. Uh, and so with joy, we should begin to share to share those things. And I think, I don't know, just being connected with some churches um, at this time, some of the services seem to be more like funeral services. It's really depressing. But I think it's just reminding ourselves, again, of the gospel and, and that we have something precious that the world so desperately is crying for and, and sometimes can't even identify. But, but we have... We have the yeah the glorious Jesus Christ um, to share. But yeah. Well, amen to that. And amen. uh thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with us today. Nice, we really fun. appreciate it and uh, look forward to hearing about how things develop uh in Salesdom. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds Great. good. Thanks, Denzel. Good. Thank you. So, Beth, that was Denzel. And what did you make of that? What stood out for you? Oh, so I've got like a whole list of things. <laughs> Focus on just one of them. Um, I think I was really interested in uh, this kind of question here from Zippo, what's our gospel focus? Um, and kind of the different ways that he kind of brought that through in the conversation that he was having. Um, and I thought most, like, the bit I, I kind of was like absolutely like yes this is so true is that he said um there's something really important when you're kind of in evangelism about realizing it's normal people 
like us. Um, and they had this really positive kind of like shared humanity bit that, that needed to be kind of reclaimed in evangelism. And, um, and I think it's really interesting because we can, um, so it was it was a real comment, wasn't it, as churches that often we can create this kind of Christian subculture so much so that kind of we we kind of think we're different. We're so other to the kind of to anybody else that somehow we're kind of like, you know, there's a kind of Christianese kind of like nice boundaried world over here. Um, and then there are those those <laughs> the heathens <laughs> or whatever we might call them, you know, over there. And I think. Um, I think uh, it was really healthy that that was being kind of really thought through and challenged and that they would take a, you know, he's talking about taking the whole church on that journey so that people mm. were really thinking about the kind of welcome and the, the kind of the way they could receive people either into church or kind of, but also just thinking about what, what, well, how do I talk about my faith? And, and how do I do how do I answer people when they want to know what I believe and uh, and what do I need to know kind of theologically to help explain some of the big questions that people have um, and I just thought that was so so interesting um, really yeah and I, I was very struck we talked about uh, how Denzel was talking about taking the whole church on that journey and um, about how he spoke about the challenge sometimes then for churches when folks join them um, and just you know people he, I think he said people are messy you know people are people are human lives are messy um and that saying we'd love loads of new people to find faith it's one thing dealing with the reality of those folks becoming part of your uh, church community is often quite a different thing uh, I was quite struck by that and I think that's very true mm -hmm. and yeah the, the theory is a lot easier than the practice on that I think Absolutely. There's a really interesting um, grace report um, by Theos Think Tank. Um, they did for the Church of England and it was commissioned into how social justice projects function as evangelism and, okay. and, and church growth and the kind of correlations between churches that run um, things like food banks and what they see in terms of their kind of church attendance and how you measure that. Um, and it's a really thorough, Theos bring their brilliant research still so it's incredibly thorough piece of work um and um and it was it's very telling that the churches that do run uh social kind of you know any kind of social justice projects uh do massively grow um but only if the church congregations are expecting to welcome and receive and to deal with some of the mess and um and to be really committed to kind of being open I think there was a phrase about open to the idea that people might not be quite as like them or necessarily share their values initially or, or kind of all that kind of thing and I just thought that was um I thought it was a really it's a really interesting report anyway I recommend it to people because it's just full of very good practical suggestions and um yeah and it's really interesting and I think you know it's done in the Church of England but I'm sure we could take all of that learning as well yeah we'll take all the the, the money and time that uh, uh, sisters and brothers <laughs> in the Anglican church put into it and uh, take the, the fruit of their labours quite happily. Um, one of the things I think that you, you mentioned when we were chatting before as, as well was about, um, about the importance of joy mm. in this process. Um, and it's, it's interesting how sort of my, sometimes sort of the picture one has of evangelism and evangelists 
it's not always as joyful as perhaps it should be. But everybody I know who is an evangelist, you know, that is very joyful. Mm. I think of the individuals that I, I know who serve in those roles. They're just people you want to be around. And yeah. I think there's definitely got to be something in that. Yeah, that's that's really true, isn't it? I always I'm like I'm I'm gonna be honest. I'm the person that like ducks out and avoids the people on the streets preaching. Okay. Because <laughs> they do, you know, some of those are so kind of placardy, aren't they? And kind of like you will go to hell unless you repent. I remember once being stopped by one. He said to me, "Have you been baptized?" And I said, "Yes," <laughs> quite nervously. And uh, they said, um, "No, but you haven't been baptized properly." And I said no no I, I have a, I was baptized by immersion <laughs> and they were so <laughs> taken aback <laughs> I was like I was and it was but it was this kind of like you know and I think you know we, we've all had probably those people who kind of preached against on the street mm. corners but um but you're absolutely right that that you know I think of people like Chris Duffett who yeah. um who bring that kind of warmth of character and their joy and their love of God um and their knowledge that God's love extent you know of God's love for other people I think into the process and I think how how deeply precious that is really um it's a um really interesting thing he said about kind of joy in in the moment at the world the world feels like it's you know in a place of real despair but kind of having joy in that in this is part of our kind of Christian evangelism and witness and and I was thinking that um I find that really challenging because it's hard to sometimes be joyful when the world looks like it's falling apart mm. and you read horror stories. But um, but there's a really brilliant um, uh, uh, like a lecture actually that Willie James Jennings has done. I mean, he's written quite a lot on it as well. But um, there's like a 40 minute lecture if you Google Willie James Jennings and joy called Gathering Joy, and it's all about joy as a form of resistance to the world's despair, and therefore joy is a liberational technique. Um, and kind of this idea that we could reclaim joy like like claiming joy and 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 experiencing joy as, as something that kind of is a tool but not in a kind of shallow you have there's no space to have like the deep lament for the things that are bad it's just about kind of it, it it's it doesn't reduce to that and I think that's what I really find helpful about it because actually um you know we, we're allowed to feel all our deep dark complicated emotions and and that needs to be part of our spirituality too. But but it's this idea that cultivating the practice of joy is part of a liberational technique. I like the sound of that. I've made a note in my uh, notebook to to go and listen to that uh, lecture at, at some point. Um, Willie Jennings' uh, commentary on Acts is one of the best commentaries I've got on my my shelf as well. So always keen to connect with with his work um, as well. Great. Um, Anything else that you want to pick out from our chat with Denzel? Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of other things that I, I thought. One is that, can we just um, mention that he casually dropped in that, oh, yeah, well, I was involved in gangs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, he just glossed over that. Like, that was not this huge thing. It was amazing. So um, I, I thought that was that was really extraordinary. Just a little nugget of, of something in there that made me think, I want to sit down <laughs> and have that conversation. Um and um, and then um, yeah, I was also I was thinking about um, he talked a lot of the language of kind of almost kind of financial language about um, people and kind of bring the gospel. So kind of you know this idea that kind of you know their value. He talked about um, benefits 
Um, and there was also kind of like almost like a kind of a language of of resource. You know, it was this quite quite market terminology. Mm. Um, and I just been I think I picked up on it partly. I, I recently thought about this in, in a class that we talked about the kind of economics of evangelism and, and how uh, evangelist like evan <laughs> our kind of evangelical world is, has both kind of been party to creating some of the kind of um, kind of capitalist kind of Western stuff. And then also we've, um, you know, that we use, you know, how we use that language now as a way of kind of engaging with people um, so then, you know, this is um, Clive Marsh, who's was the VP uh, for the Methodist Church, who has this idea of not only what we are saved from, but what we are saved for. And this idea of using the kind of um, the, the language of 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 the market very intentionally, but as a way that both subverts the kind of the culture of capitalism, but also allows people to kind of understand. And this idea that people who often have nothing, you know, see the benefits of the gospel and that that kind of literally is financial that there is kind of a as well as being a kind of it's not it's not just you know there's a reality to the goods of the gospel in the way that it's not just sort of kind of something sort of spiritual and ephemeral and out there mm -hmm. um and sort of trying to use that kind of creatively and and thoughtfully um so I was really interested when he talked about that uh wait well, didn't talk about that but he talked in those words and I I just mm -hmm. kind of resonated with me on that front so I thought it was really interesting yeah there's I mean there's certainly loads to, to go on thinking about there isn't there and um, I mean Denzel referenced that the difference in being an evangelist in in the different communities that he's been part of and, and how that affects uh, what you're able to do and the way in which you do it I think that's a the challenge that context brings is a uh, one that goes I guess across all our mission and ministry uh, as as church communities but I think um, with the frontline nature of evangelism, I think that's going to be felt even more acutely because it's harder to to not engage with that. Um, but yeah, fantastic. I, I'm really grateful to Denzel for being on the podcast and uh, giving us a, a different perspective from what we've had uh, before. And again, he's one of those people brings joy to the room. So we're grateful to have had the chance to chat um, with him. Um, but Beth, this is at the end of season two. Uh, before you uh, bless us at the end, um, I just want to take the opportunity to say thank you to all our wonderful listeners. We love you. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for listening. Uh, we really value that. But also thank you to our guests, um, to Barbara and John and Lee and Linda and Claire and Ewan and Denzel. Uh, we're grateful to you all for being part of uh, the podcast because without the stories, well, we don't have a podcast really. Uh, but that's why we we started doing it was because uh, we just know there are lots of wonderful people mm. across our Baptist movement. So thank you. Yes, thank, thank you, you for them. being Baptist with us. <laughs> thank you for being Baptist with us. Yes. Oh, what was it Julie said in our Advent special? Thank you for remaining Baptists with us is yeah. perhaps uh, yeah. a good way of thinking about it. And also just a little shout out to Harry who edits our podcast each week and ensures that it all gets listed on the appropriate apps and sites so that we can all download and listen. So Harry, we salute you. Thank you for bearing with, uh, well, I was about to say Beth and I, thank you for bearing with me. We don't need to bear with Beth. I realize most of the issues come from this end of the microphone, uh, but uh, Harry, we're grateful to you as well. And we've got season three will come up a bit later in the year, the sort of summer term. We're going to have a couple of months before we embark on season three. We've just we started uh, a few things like I know I've got mm -hmm. a few people just 
already having conversations about getting those interviews lined up. So yeah, that's exciting. So if we approach you, please say yes. (laughs) Please say yes. We'd love you to say yes. And then bear with the kind of constant reorganization of when will will we manage to record this? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, and I think um, we haven't mentioned going to assembly. No, we haven't. Partly because we haven't really got any sort of firmed up plans, but I'm definitely going to assembly and I believe you are definitely. I'll be there. Um, and we know obviously it's Baptist, there'll be many Baptist listeners mm-hmm. at Assembly, and we're just having a tentative conversation about whether we can do something to declare in some form, in some way, at Assembly as well. Uh, we've got no promises, uh, because uh, we are relying on the good, fabulous people who are making Assembly happen, and I know how much effort that is. So, big shout out to people like Hazel who are running things behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. um, uh, but we, yeah, we're kind of just see if there can be a little bit of a fringe something happen um, and, and create some sort of live component. You never know. We may give up on this completely. <laughs> we're just going to we're just going to turn up, uh, drink lots of coffees and have loads of chats in corridors instead, because that's usually how my uh, Baptist Assembly experience goes. Works for me. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So if we'll put out on all the various social media platforms of which we avail ourselves, uh, as and when we get an assembly uh, special uh, organised, so uh, we we remain ever hopeful. And you know, if you're at assembly, come and come and see us. We'd love that. I, I feel like we should have something to give away. Maybe I'll make some something to declare badges or stickers or something. Some something to declare pens. I mean, I've got something to declare mug that somebody made for me. So perhaps you know, if you're a, a loyal listener, you can come and, uh, or even if you're listening for the first time today, you can come and grab a sticker uh, or something. Maybe we should find some way that people can do their own answers to the questions, because I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, indeed. Come and help us answer those final two questions. Mm. Um, Brilliant. But yes, thank you to everybody. We look forward to seeing you soon. Um, But let's end with our season two blessing. By that brilliant Claire Hooper. May you see opportunities to bring hope, healing and peace where others do not. May you have the courage to speak up for those that get overlooked. May you be aware of God's spirit at work in the words you speak, the safe spaces you create and the relationships you build. You are loved by God. May that those that you encounter know that they are loved too. Amen. Amen indeed. Thank you, David. Thank you, Beth. Goodbye, everybody. See you all soon.